And the post show is the show where the Led Zeppelin plays in the sound bed. The show that posts the show. So the Yankees are losing right now, one nothing. Two nothing now. Dun dun dun. It's the seventh game of the ALCS. What inning are they in? They're in the bottom of the fifth inning. The Astros are threatening first and third with one out. Um, holy shit! The Penguins lost one to seven. Uh, it was uh they played back to back. They played last night. Uh-huh. So, uh, not not to make an excuse, but you Penguins have like nineteen back to back games, the most of any team in the league this year, this season. And uh, <laughs> they played Tampa Bay like ten. <clears throat> 10 days ago on the second. Tampa Bay's got super lucky. They played the Penguins on the second night of back-to-back games twice in 10 days. This is... Yeah. Trying to go violent. Yeah. Tiny. Tiny violent. 7 to 1. Jesus Christ. Uh, hey, they knew what they were signing up for. Yeah. What you don't like that saying? Or? Oh, you, you you didn't hear that that that's what Trump said about oh. uh, about the, I... the guy who died in in. Oh, he did say that. Yes, yes. that's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. That motherfucker. <laughs> he isn't. He he's such a sociopath. Yeah. I mean, and that that is by definition a person who lacks empathy, right? And he has no fucking empathy. He can't even pretend to have empathy, yeah. Because it, probably because he thinks it's. I don't want to make this all about Trump, so but I just thought that, that was funny. Fuck him. Uh, fuck him exactly. Uh, I mean, I, that, there was a time when I was a huge Yankees fan. I was really paying attention to all the games. Physics took over for me in terms of what I cared about. Does it have anything to do with like the players on the team or, or anything, or well, I mean, just uh, kind of ebb and flow? Or you think it'll come back to it? No, yeah. I don't. I don't know if I would necessarily come back to it. It was just it was a different time, and 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 you know, I, I, I mean I liked the the players on the team at the time, and mm-hmm. but I'm sure I would like the players if I paid attention to it. But it's just I don't. I'm not as interested in it anymore. So you know, I mean, there was a time where when the Penguins were in the playoffs, we canceled the show, right? Right. But even, excuse me for hitting the microphone, even those years, I didn't watch them religiously through the regular, regular season. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, I'm kind of making a point to watch more Penguin games. And it, it's been enjoyable. It's been fun. So I'm kind of on the ebb, oh. or, the, or I guess the flow of this thing, right? So like I am, I mean, the Penguins have won two Stanley Cups in a row. They're going for three. Right. And I don't. I, that's cool, right? I mean, and when everyone's winning, that that's awesome. Well, right, but I mean, I'm watching the regular season. It's going to be 80 games of or 84 games of lots of losses as yeah. well as wins. And and you know the 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 the, the baseball season is 162 games. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a lot. When, when the, I the, was what what ends up happening is it becomes wallpaper. It becomes TV wallpaper, and I've lost that and I don't have a TV anymore yeah I, I, I don't I mean I, there are TV shows that I watch and I get them but I don't have an actual TV I think when I move I will get one only because I expect that then people will be coming over or something but I won't really be I mean I just don't expect to be 
I don't have that thing of wanting TV wallpaper anymore, and that's a lot of what the Yankees were during the summer okay. was TV gotcha. wallpaper. So that effect of not having that anymore lessens the fact that I care. It lessens you know what I care about. I mean, because you know, because as you watch something over time, you regardless of what it is, you're going to start to care about them. That's it's empathy mm-hmm. working because you and I are not sociopaths, unlike Trump. Uh, just to bring it full circle. <laughs> yes, you should say that for the end. But yes, the the thing that I would like, I want to see the Yankees win. I mean, I'm still, you know, technically a Yankees fan, but people could certainly call me not a true fan, Bob. And I'm not going to argue with them because I don't watch them, and I know don't. I'm not really going to be like devastated if they lose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the Dodgers won. And a Dodgers Yankees World Series. That's awesome. like the definition of a World Series. Yeah, that'd be cool. So that would be great. I'd love to see that. But uh, in the, unless the Yankees can pull it out, they, they still have uh, four innings with much to work with, and they're only down by two. Uh, we'll see what happens here because there's runners on first and third, but there are two outs. They're only down by two, uh, and so and they got to score at least once to get. Into- if they don't score any, then it doesn't matter. I, I, but this would one of the things, like, whenever there was, like, a one nothing game and the Yankees lost, and I was like, well, I mean, hey, the Yankees didn't score anything. So if, so if the Yankees can't score, then I can't, like, mm-hmm. I can't bitch about, oh, they should have done this and that to not have that guy score. I mean, the, yeah. if the Yankees don't score, then what does it matter? Gotcha. Um, there you go, because there are no ties. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I'd be happy to see the Yankees win. I would be not like it, it really would not stress me out at all to see the Yankees lose. So, am I a fan? Uh, I, I couldn't know. name most of the players on the, on the team, so probably not. Right, you might get back to it at some point. Yeah, I might. You know, I think it has the... Oh, oh, okay, the Astros are ahead, but there's a double for the clear to bases. Now it's 4 nothing Astros. This, this is looking bad for the Yankees. It's still, <laughs> still come back, 4 nothing bottom of the fifth. But your asses are against the, the wall here. Yeah, for sure. When the levy breaks, you got no place to run, as Robert Plant would say. I'm not sure if the analogy quite fits, but I see where you're going. It's a song that was on. Yeah, no, I, I, no, I, I, I get it. I'm just I'm saying, like, is it quite... No, not really. I mean, like, you can... Out, out of happenstance, it was the best thing ever. Right, yeah. Uh, so last weekend was the Pittsburgh Maker Fair. Yes. And Allie exhibited her uh, flower power there. Again? Again, and we've got. I it was it was such a hit, and I think when we've come to the realization, she might invent ten new things, but none of those might be as good at a show and tell as flower power. as flower power because well, you can be two years old and play the flower power. Yeah, you, but my 
So my problem, I don't know what she did because I, I only saw the video in terms, of, and and I've only seen her describe it to me. Yeah, briefly. the video was not that good. I, I we talked about that already. So, I, the, is she describe? I mean, that's why when I saw the video, I was like, I, I need to talk to her about what Newton's laws are, and then what electricity is, so she gets an idea of what's happening. No, we're working on. I we talked about this already. I agree that there's too much. It sounds like Dad told me to do this, right? Mm-hmm. And and she, and that's the thing is the reason why I want to do this is because I think she's not only capable of understanding it, but very much willing to because she she wants to know this stuff. Yeah. I don't know that, and I don't know if I would be able to to, to explain it to her either. But I want to try because I think that she would be receptive. No, to so it. what we did the, at the Maker Fair, she had. She wasn't sitting behind the table. She was in front of the table. When people walked by, she would hand them, you want to see my project? And she would hand it to them right away. And she would explain, you know, put your one hand down on the base where the contact is and then touch the metal pins on the on the pedals. Uh, but she wouldn't tell... She, she just got really good at presenting this thing. She wouldn't necessarily tell them what was going to happen. She uh-huh. wanted them to discover it on their own. That's cool, right? Okay, that's uh, good. But, I like that. But you would, I would say almost 30% of the people were worried they were going to get shocked. Yes. Sure. That, no, that's fine. <laughs> a little anticipation. Uh, no, no, no. Shut like electrical shock. No, no, yeah. I know, I don't know. But, but, but when they find out that it, it is not, then music. they're even more pleased. Well, what I, I noticed, like, standing behind the table, like... Once people, once it clicked and they figured out what it was and they started playing it, they would just start smiling. Right. It's I, like, wish, I wish I had a video of all the smiles that, that the Flower Power drove. You know? I, I, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what this reminds me of because I, I mentioned this when, when Nick was on the benign harm theory of humor. Okay. Which is when you. There's an interesting thing about humor and things like that that if you're in a bad mood or if you don't like a person, you're not necessarily going to laugh at stuff that you would laugh at normally. Or somebody tickling you that you don't know and like is not going to work. The benign harm theory of humor is sort of the most recent and most sort of now well-accepted theory, which is that you're being presented with something that is sort of construed as harmful but benign enough that it's not going to be and then when you find out it definitely isn't going right. to be that's when you it's sort of a release right and I, I guess that kind of for the people that were like hesitant to push the buttons because mm-hmm. they thought they were going to get a shock uh, I, th- I think that might have been part of it for sure because like you know okay I might get a shock here I know that's not going to kill me if I get a shock and it's going to be zap and that won't be fun but when it turns out to be something much more fun than a shock, mm-hmm. then they're really pleased and happy, and it's, and, yeah. and it and that makes them smile. And, and I just I'm trying to figure out why so many people thought that this was going to be like a a trick, a trap. Because um, when you bring that's why I wanted to get Allie into the electricity idea. Because when people think of electricity, they think of shocks, and that's not. I mean, that can be electricity, right? But that's not what electricity is doing most of the time. When you use phones and stuff, it's not shocking you. There's a capacitive you know, touchscreen that you're using that is using capacitance to understand stuff. So it's using, it's actually sending electrons through your skin the same in the same sense. Yeah. Um, 
not shocking you at all. So, if you can... And I'm not suggesting that, that Allie needs to teach that to everybody, but if she has that in Oh, her she head, got really good at it. Like, I don't know if she picked it up from when you talked to her. You didn't, I don't know if you really talked to her, but I, and I didn't tell her this, but like, once she was... She was refining her presentation. She mm-hmm. did it 120 times, right? Yes. So she yeah, was she refining her presentation, yeah. and she was actually saying that your body acts like a wire. It connects these two things. Oh, cool. So she, I didn't tell her that. Did you ever get around to telling her that? I don't remember telling her that. I didn't think you did because the day you wanted to teach her stuff, she's like, "Eh, my foot hurts." Yeah. And but no, she was saying that, and oh. I didn't tell her that. Great minds, I think. And there was a couple things I had to, you know. So my number one thing with keeping her engaged in this stuff is not let her get frustrated or not to like beat her down, mm-hmm. right? So there was a couple times where she was being a little bit inaccurate, you know, like with what the Mickey Mickey was exactly doing. So I would gently correct, you know, like when she was done, saying mm-hmm. that was really good, but. This is what the Mickey Mickey is actually doing, right? It's not playing the notes. It's sending the inputs to the Raspberry Pi, and the Raspberry Pi is playing the notes. That kind of thing. And by the end, she had it, you know, all the details, no inaccuracies, and, uh, you know, she gets great feedback at these things, right? You know, the adults are like, oh my gosh, you're a genius. And it's good. Mm -hmm. Good reinforcement. She's not technically a genius, but. She's a it's woman. She's her. a girl in yeah, STEM, sure. and yeah. I need to get her confidence at a very high level so she can weather adolescence. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And one of the reasons why I want to go through this stuff with her is because a, I I think she's totally smart enough to get it. B. I'm gonna see if I'm good enough to teach it, <laughs> right? right. Uh, and and sort of you know, see because I think that uh, it will only help. She was doing things like when she was at her stride, and and by so it was ten hours on Saturday mm-hmm. and eight hours on Sunday. The table beside us was uh, parents and supposed to be three kids. The, the three kids were only at the booth for maybe about like three and a half hours total. I had a lot of time. Allie was doing her thing. She took like a half an hour break on Saturday. She did it all day Saturday. She hit the wall at about 2 o'clock on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And one of my coworkers came by. And I'm like, Allie, show it to Justin. And she just wasn't having it. She basically like, here, you do it. <laughs> or, or Justin, figure this out yourself. You know, but, you know, it was fine. Sure. Justin went and got her some chocolate chip cookies, and she was able to do a few more presentations after Get that. Get some more energy. Yeah, she, she, got needed, the she needed some energy, some sugar. Uh, I I think that, so the, the what was I going to say here? Because I had, I had something in my head. Um, I think it's really important to get her ready for if she's going into STEM, she's going to have to deal with the math. And I know that she, you know, you said she likes math and she likes... She does, but, but I mean... But the math that, that is going to come up is of a different level. 
and sure. it's a different conceptual thing that she's going to have to sort of figure also, out a way to navigate. You also need to keep in mind where she's at right now, and she's multiplying a two-digit number, two-digit number times a three-digit number. You know, that's where she's at right, right now. Right? Yeah. No. And I, she and she's doing it. it. It's crazy. So you know, this whole Common Core math. My point is not to bring math into it at all, but to mm-hmm. show the concepts and hopefully the i mean the the most interesting and the, the most the reason why people find math pretty and beautiful when mm-hmm. they study it if they get into it is because of how it expresses these things in such a in, in such a very uh complete way right in 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 a real in a, in, a, in a way that 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 expresses everything that you can think of about the system without getting into all the un all the messy shit it gets it it does the sure. the, the the generalities so well and so you can then express these concepts in ways that are beautifully concise in math class, they're teaching her five different methods to do multiplication. Now, I am—I agree. Like, I think that I'm not an anti-common core person. Mm-hmm. I get the idea of rounding and breaking out the tens and the ones and estimating. But she has a little bit of frustration when she's doing her homework. When, like, they're asking her, like, okay, on these three questions, use method A. On these next three questions, use method B. That's gonna look. Uh, maybe, there it, are, maybe it gives them a full there understanding. There are eight ways to solve you know any particular equation, right? I mean, there, and and having that toolbox mm-hmm. is gonna be yeah. really helpful. Yeah, maybe you're right, but she gets frustrated because she's like trying to figure out. Like, there is no way you can learn the, math without getting frustrated, right? Period. But it's it's the. I don't remember which method that is, you know, when she could solve it in her preferred method. So the important thing is, I suppose, math is not about solving things. That's how it's presented. But math is about understanding things. Uh, And that we can use it to solve things is one of its greatest, is one of our greatest achievements that we've created the, the, this method of something, but it's about understanding and, and, and at at its level, you know. That's why I'm like I'm not big into arithmetic or numbers themselves because I don't find them very interesting. I find the math part of it, the actual you know higher level math, where you have these different concepts and these different sort of objects that mix with each other uh, that's where all of the beauty lies in in being able to 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 realize that this thing can be turned into this object through some transformation so and then here's one of the ways now this way I this is the way of multiplication I like this is called the area method, I think. So, say we have 38 times 24. Mm-hmm. They make a grid, 
and it works for three digits too. You just make a grid that's wider. But you you round you round off the tens in the so for twenty four on the you make a grid of four squares, and outside the grid, in the top left, you'll write if the number's twenty four, you write twenty, and then below you write four, and then thirty eight's the other one. So in the top 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 left, you write thirty and then eight, and then you do twenty times thirty is six hundred. Then you do twenty times eight, it's one sixty. Then you do four times thirty, one twenty. Four times eight, thirty-two, and then you sum those up. That's how they're doing the multiplication. Mm-hmm. I like this method it works, because right? because each multiplication question you're solving easy. is easy because it's easily memori- memorizable, as opposed to you know trying to do higher level stuff. And this is her preferred method of doing these things when there's like six other methods right. of doing it. Learning but, other methods though is useful because yeah. math is a like I said it's a toolbox. It, it's a it's a set of tools you're gonna no, have to use. And, I don't disagree. And in in some sense, this, it, it's it's so much more important. If I if I knew when I was doing math as a as a kid, I don't know for sure. But I feel like if I knew... I mean, it's so weird to say if I knew what I knew now. <laughs> so, okay, all right. So I, I, I appreciate what you're saying, and I I didn't appreciate it before, right? Where it's good for her to know the five different ways to do math multiplication because she'll see it more as tools to solve a problem as opposed to multiplying numbers. Right. And I appreciate that more, so thank you. Maybe where my frustration lies as when she brings home this homework, there's not a parent study guide to right. show us the five different methods to do multiplication. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're Googling. And Google's not going to give you what she was taught in class. Right. Yes, yes. Th- that's a problem. Because they're going to go, kids are going to go to their parents for. for you for... figure, and you figure a lot of parents are going to say this five different ways is horse pucky. Uh-huh. Just here's do this. Here's how I learned to multiply. Yeah, yeah. And I don't do that, right? There's, well, there's nothing wrong with you teaching her how you learn to multiply, but as yeah. a, but the wrong thing would be then saying, just use this. Don't listen to what your teacher says. Right. Because learning the tools, if she nails that, then that will prepare her for the stuff that's coming, which mm-hmm. is gonna have 18 different tools to try to solve something and you're gonna be like well can I use this I can use this for this part I can use this for this part mm-hmm. I can bind them I appreciate that I'm glad you said it you know I just want the I need the parent study guide so I can yes. understand I, I completely agree with you and that's something you should talk to your to your teacher about that's something what parent teacher conferences are for yeah, yeah I need like, to learn these five I want to help her learn this stuff I think that learning having a toolbox is a good idea. Can you give me some source so I so I can? How? But you know, then like the average teacher, right? The average yes. te- even in a good school district, the average teacher is like getting this Common Core curriculum. It's not how they learn to do math, right? And are they going to have your point of view of a toolbox? No, or are they going to no. have a, I mean, okay, today we're doing math. method A, tomorrow we're doing method B. Here's how the book says to teach it. Most and <laughs> most math teachers don't know math. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's something that's kind of forced upon 
teachers yeah. and because most of them are you know come through English studies and things like that uh, now when you get to some place like MIT or something then you're mm-hmm. gonna go hardcore into math but she's if she wants to be stem like if if she wants to be awesome she's gonna have to start to do extracurricular math stuff yeah Yeah, I, I'm not sure what... I mean, we, we've started to talk about this a little bit, right? About how much do you like this this maker stuff? How much do you like uh-huh. this STEM stuff? You know, because if you like it, there is a good avenue for you, right? There's a, a woman in tech, in STEM, you know... There's not only s- that, there's going to be huge amounts of support. Huge amounts there's of support. support. But, you know, the industry is going that way. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lack of qualified individuals. And then if affirmative action type stuff ever comes into it, you know, there's going to be a lack of women in tech, you know. So, you know, it... it well, I mean, there's... Well, there's I mean, going... We didn't, we didn't get into that part so much. But, but there's going... There absolutely is going to be space for more women in tech. And it's yeah. going to be a booming field where people I, I absolutely believe this women who are good at tech are going to be able to find jobs easy mm-hmm. because there's going to be pe- people are going to want to diversify offices and things yeah. like that um, I know from working in offices that, that, that at least half women uh, it's I mean it, it, it doesn't make anything worse all it does is I, I don't know whether it makes things better, but it just it, it it's not worse. It's not like all men is better at doing this stuff than than half men, half women. So I I I, I don't see. So it's like it, so go for it. I, I don't like. I mean, it, I, women are, are the same as men as yeah. far as I'm concerned, brain wise. No, I mean, in terms I, of what they I, can I'm, do, calculation wise. I hate to say that I'm a feminist, right? Because that's an easy badge to pin on yourself. Yeah, well, I mean... It's, it's an easy badge to pin on yourself. And I'm a white guy in my 40s, right? So, you know, I'm the most privileged person there is. Um, other than a rich person. Um, you know, but, like, I'm thinking back to times where, like, when I was at the trip, right? And we were interviewing two people. I, I you know, preferred the woman applicant. We hired her. She was great. I I always I'm trying to think like is this like my new like like since I've had a daughter my feminist thing uh-huh. but I think I've always had something where you know like I don't know if it's just like okay so when, when I was in kindergarten I like played with the girls okay um the funny thing was like after kindergarten like I was like the odd weird guy. I didn't talk to girls. Like I didn't have any dates in high school until like I was a senior, right? So like something went horribly wrong at that point. But uh... no, you're you're only if you compare it to other people who yeah. who have convinced society that their way is the better way. And yeah. then those are the fucking Harvey Weinstein's. It turns out, yeah, are, right. Are... But you know, like there was a point where I, like I was hanging with the girls, and then like I got. You know, didn't talk to a girl again until my senior year type yeah. thing. You know, so that was that. I, it just, just wait. I think happen. it was. I mean, I can't. I can't say for sure, but you know, one of those things where 
when you're a kid, it doesn't matter until you find out from somebody, and then all yeah. of a sudden, it's the only thing that matters. Yeah, you're right. You know, but I'm thinking about the time of the trip, hired the woman, you know, worked with a couple of women. I don't think I've... Like, at a certain point, I was wondering if, like, I had this bias towards filling the workplace with women... You know, because I like hanging out, like looking at women or something. Like if that was like not predatory, like I was ever ever harassing, but you know, whether it was a scenery type thing, um, I don't think so. And I've never thought that a woman woman can't do the job. I don't. I'm trying to be honest with myself here, trying to think of like you know on what level. But I, so I think I've generally been pretty good with you know the equality part of it and stuff. Uh, now I'm sound, I don't want to sound self-aggrandizing here, you know. I, it's yeah, just... yeah, exactly. And, it, and it's like, I don't want to... Oh, I'm a white, guy that, saying, I'm a white like, guy that appreciates women. Yeah, oh. it doesn't, yeah like, I, like I was saying before, it doesn't make me a hero that I'm like, oh, yeah. and, you know, don't, I dislike this stuff that's happening. But, I'm just like, so, like, the office has become more parody. It was at one time more women, and now it's more, it, 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 it's pretty much parody, I think. Nothing has changed as far as I know in terms of the process uh, and in terms of how people have worked from my perspective. right? Yeah. I, know, I have no idea what other people are thinking. Our, our office is not good when it comes to diversity. In technical positions, oh shit, we, we only had a handful, but like one quit. Do we have any women in a tech position right now? So, like, out of 70 people, let me make sure I'm not forgetting anyone. We have women in, like, marketing, and and two of them are a bit technical, like, doing the website stuff. But, like, in engineering, we had a, we had a QA person who moved on. And uh, after she left... Oh, no, there's, there's, there's one... We have one woman in engineering. We have... One black guy, but he's from Africa. You know, he's not an American. He He's here probably on a visa. I don't think he's a citizen. So, you know, and we have a bunch of Indians. And we have a few Asians. I'm counting now, just making sure. Go yeah. ahead. It's just like, you know, I, and, I, and this is a new revelation. It's like our company is not... Very diverse. It's a bunch of white engineer, white male engineers, and you know uh, Indians on visas. <laughs> and I, I think that you know diversity is good. We talked about this thing before. I don't think you liked the analogy very much, but I want to bring it up because I like it. And that is. This might have been a Google thing or one of those, you know, companies that really pride themselves in diversity. And the reason why diversity is good because people with different backgrounds solve problems different ways. And this might simplify it. You didn't like this analogy, but like the question is like, where do you keep your ketchup? Oh, right? yeah. Right. right. Because there's two places that people put their ketchup depending on where they are brought up. Either keep it in your fridge or you keep it in the cupboard. Mm -hmm. If you keep it in the fridge and you run out of ketchup, and you disagree with this part specifically, but just hear me. Let me say it again. If you if you're uh, looking for something to put on your sandwich, and 
you run out of ketchup, you're looking in the fridge for a substitute. And you might pick mustard. You might pick mayonnaise. Something like that. But in the South and other places, people keep their ketchup in the pantry, in the cabinet, beside the vinegar and beside, uh, I don't know, beside mold vinegar. I don't know what else is <laughs> kept in the pantry beside their ketchup. But, you know, you choose, like, your, your substitute, uh, your uh, pool of alternatives is different. And that's a simplified example of why different backgrounds are good. I, I think there may be good. some validity to that, and maybe and so maybe it's me reevaluating what you're saying. Right. I mean, before you were saying like, well, ketchup's a specific thing, and mayonnaise is not often a good substitute for that. Where you know, if you're if you're being critical and you're thinking, well, ketchup's mostly vinegar anyway, I might go with the malt vinegar. But would you pick the malt vinegar if you opening the fridge and you find your ketchup bottle's empty? Yeah, right? and when, when, I, the when I put myself in that position, like I'm, be, going, I'm going for ketchup. I've opened up the fridge. There's no ketchup. Would I think look in the cupboard right. for something that's close to ketchup? Would I think what's here in the fridge? And in general. The way I think about how humans think, mm-hmm. I would, I'm concentrating on the fridge. The the uh, pantry could be a different world for all I care. My yeah. concentration is on the fridge, yeah. so I'm looking in the fridge for what's there. I'm not thinking about what's in the pantry. It's not an I'm option. Not, yeah. It's not an apparent option. Right. Right. So that that's the spirit of the question. I think you get it a little bit better this time. And. and how is that going to manifest itself when you're trying to figure out how to refactor some code or how to do a search algorithm or something? I don't know, but let's let's let different people from different backgrounds propose solutions and see what they come up with, right? Um, I just did a, a, a check. It, we are exact parity: eight women, eight men in our office right now. Okay. Um, now there are like 150 or 200 of the. In, in the different in the two Tucson offices, so I don't mm-hmm. know what that's like. But so, um, let me. It, it's it's kind of off topic a little bit, but I want to bring up something. One of the most interesting things that I learned at the at the conference, or or yeah, learned is, is so. What is, was this conference for? Was it for your product, or was it for something you use, or what was it? This was a software architecture conference from O'Reilly. Okay. So it was learning about software architecture, essentially, about how, how to design things on that level, how other people design it. One of the the last session was was the most was to me the most like interesting in terms of something that was usable and like immediately because there was this idea that I hadn't thought of. Which is that if you have a large product, in general, when you are taught coding and when you're thinking about coding, you're thinking about, I want to separate out things into sort of functions. This function does that, this function does that, this function does that. Uh, And that allows me to have a lot more uh, pliability with my code and I can, you know, more plasticity with it. Mm -hmm. But there is an issue in the, in that design, which is that you often get things that are strongly coupled. And this is the sense that it's going for. Let's say you have some object 
that takes as an input. So object A takes as an input stuff from object B. Mm-hmm. So, and then you have an object C that takes stuff from object A. So let's say you have a failure in object C. But it could be the problem was in what was in object B, mm-hmm. way back here. Because these are so strongly coupled together, you're not sure. Because you're expecting sure. B A, A to get B's information and C to get A's information. So it makes it harder, especially for a large distributed application, which is not what we do, but this was going over this kind of thing. But it makes it harder for you to find where there's a problem and then to prepare for these issues because what you need to do for problem solving in this situation is a couple of different methods one of them is sort of an automated method that sort of checks to see whether things are copacetic and knows how to fix them if things are too strongly coupled then that's really hard to do mm-hmm. so and I'm thinking about our system I think about how strongly coupled everything is everything has you know the data has to go from this to this and there's not a lot of redundancy in that for you know like just it's passing in stuff but if that stuff doesn't exist do we do we error or do we pass, do we send something i mean is there some method that we have of notifying the system that something is up okay that was like just a structural thing that I really hadn't considered and it was whoa that's I mean like it, it was mind blowing it, 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 it's it's always the simplest things that are the mind blowing things right, right, like, right you hadn't thought of that it's a simple concept but it it well, especially it when you're everything. especially when you're passing objects into objects and stuff like that right it's it's really hard I mean I am not a programmer I'm a sysadmin right mm-hmm. but you know when I start trying to like debug open source code right and and like get my head around okay so this function is receiving an object and the object has variables and methods mm-hmm. and like how do I figure out how this method's populated and what the return yeah, is yeah no it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a lot of because it's not the method in what you're talking about it's like a method that was from an object that was spawned off of some other input. There's and a lot of kind of Sherlock Holmes reconstruction in what I do in terms of detective work and figuring out how things happen. Uh, and and part of the issue is that things are so strongly coupled and that's why this happens. And the point was made that if something is going to be this strongly coupled with data, then it really should be something like a library, like string. String is a function, right? It turns something into a string. It's so general, it's used everywhere that it's essentially a library. It's it, it's just a library that's available in code. And if you're going to do something that's that off, that's used that often, then you want something that is really that generalized. Mm-hmm. And then if you want something very specific, you still want it to be able to error out in ways that tell you what is happening as opposed to not explain Mm -hmm. where the problem is because especially in a large distributed system like the the example that he was used was netflix which is of course you know gigantic Mm -hmm. and and they have to you know problems like this in code will happen constantly and they have all these they have this sort of monkey system that they use to, to constantly chaos to, monkey yeah the chaos monkey to 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 um, 
to stress their system out. It injects errors into the production system yeah, and yeah. make sure things are handled, yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's a brilliant idea, and it works really well for them, and, and it's not something that we could implement on our scale, but it's having those thoughts and just being exposed to that sort of information is the kind of thing these conferences are good for. It, yeah. it's, it's not about... I'm going to go to a conference and I'm going to get three days worth of information and I'm going to use all that the next day. It, it's about getting exposed to things from my perspective. Mm-hmm. That's the way I look at these. Sure. That will help me down the line in thinking about how I'm coding and how I'm developing things. Yeah, Netflix has another app called Security Monkey. It audits cloud configs to make sure they're like not wide open and secure and stuff and alerts when there's like unexpected or and, and I've recently set up Security Monkey to monitor our cloud segments and stuff like that, or Amazon and Google stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another cool thing is um, something that I'm going to suggest we use is, is this, I think it's called Halcyon, I forget exactly what the name is, but it's an API emulator so that you don't have to actually... So it, it you call an API once, it can grab what, get, what it gets from the API, and then you can set it up essentially as a proxy and you can put in then a sort of template version there so you don't have to constantly call the API when you're developing something that uses mm-hmm. the API. It will send back information that you expect. Oh, so you can kind of seed Halcyon with your test data. Right. And develop against that. You can develop against that and so you don't have to constantly be actually feeding a test API or That's a full cool. API. Yeah, it actually come when I when I think about how useful that would be for like especially like PayPal and the stuff like that that we use very useful or designing mm-hmm. something against an API that uh, you know we can query but it takes time or whatever if we can take that testing offline and just into this proxy it makes yeah. sense so much easier that's cool just one so these cool things you learn in commerce that are great mm-hmm. well, I love them cool acoustic version of going to California I guess I've got it going on here Mandolin and guitar, no words. Look at that. Well, I think that's enough for tonight. Sounds good to me. How'd those Yanks do? Uh, they're, they're still losing 4 nothing. Doesn't look good. Not looking good going into the bottom of the seventh. They have uh, six outs to work with. And they have to make sure the Astros don't score anymore. I'm uh, not going to be putting dollars down on that. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. <laughs>